This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Know Your Enemy podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and my uh, co-host, as always, one, Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, I missed you last week, but uh, how are you doing tonight, sir? Doing very good, Michael. Doing good. Excellent. Good stuff. Great to hear. And, of course, it's Know Your Enemy. We have a special guest to help us break down the Oakland Raiders, Mr. Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great, but Mike, I gotta, I gotta correct you. Even Uh-oh. though I am a big Oakland Raiders fan, that's the, uh, that's the no-no <laughs> nowadays. It's Las Vegas, man. You gotta get with the program here. I have done this. The first oh. Celtics to know your enemy. <laughs> the location. Okay, we'll work on this. It's in Pittsburgh, so I haven't been. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times just to go on a quick, just to start off the show on a tangent. The yeah, amount no, of times I, I had to re-record, re-record, if that makes any sense, of my own like solo show because I said Oakland. Even even the one I, <laughs> I sent in, I said Oakland. About I can't get it out of my system. I don't know what it is. I'm good with the LA Chargers. Raiders are. I still good call them San Diego. I still call the Chargers San Diego, and I mean, like I said, I'm from Oakland originally, so I'm, I'm sad that they left. So I actually kind of appreciate it too. It's a little more nostalgic. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll, yeah, we'll we call go. it a positive. So we'll start off the show <laughs> on the right foot. But uh, goodness me, Matt, uh, tell us a little bit about this team. What uh, what should Steelers fans kind of expect as uh, we kind of get into this matchup? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I, one thing that surprised me about Monday night, and I think everyone got to see, is uh, how dominant the pass rush was. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen that in the Raiders in a while. I think Austin Gale from PFF tweeted it out. It was like a graphic of like something about like the high, oh, it was the highest um, pressure rate or win rate um, from Raiders edge defenders in a single game. And it was Yannick Ngakwe from Monday night, and, or excuse me, Max Crosby first Monday night, then Yannick Ngakwe from Monday night, and then a list of Khalil Mack from like 2015 and 2016. So to see that was amazing. I mean, that kind of caught me by surprise. I was not expecting that, and I feel like that's something that's going to play a key role. Maybe we touched on a little bit later in the show too with you know how banged up and how much turnover the Steelers' offensive line has had, which is kind of similar to you know the situation with the Ravens. And then offensively, it's, you know, Darren Waller's the guy you got to stop, right? I think everybody in the world knows that right now. He's obviously got 19 targets. Nobody else even had 10 after the game. Uh, there, Nobody else had 10 against the Ravens. So he's kind of the key to the offense. He's going to be Derek Carr's go-to guy. He's the guy that Derek trusts the most because everybody else is pretty much like a first or second-year player, and, and then there's Hunter Renfro in the slot that you have to worry about. But, yeah, I mean, I think they proved to a lot of people, I'm sure you guys noticed, that uh, they're legit this year. I think they have the chance to make the playoffs, and I think they'll be one of those teams that you know might be competing with the, the AFC North in, in December for one of those wild-card spots. With the game you just had against the Ravens, with that win, uh, what kind of change have you seen in expectations? Is there a big jump in the fan base, or, or is it – are people kind of, okay, this, is, this was a nice win – you know, talk, add, add one win to your preseason expectations and, and let's move on. Well, you kind of you, you bring up a good point. I mean, it's definitely, you know, something, you know, 
off season for Raider fans is that's our glory time, right? For the last 20 years where we get the hope again and then only to be disappointed in September through uh, December. But I mean, I think there's definitely is like beating the Ravens, beating a team that's been a playoff team in the AFC the last three years, definitely boosts the confidence. But you kind of bring up a good point of like, oh yeah, the Raiders, like, you know, is it a week one win or is it something to kind of build on? The Raiders the last two years have started six and four and then headed into December with quote unquote, the easiest remaining schedule and then choked and not made the playoffs. So there is a little bit of, I think, caution, especially with me personally and within the fan base, I think as a whole, where it's like, okay, we've seen this starts. We've seen these like hot starts. What really is going to matter and I, where you guys have lost my trust over the last two years is in that last month of the season, you know, last year, the, the Raiders on Monday Night Football in the first game in Vegas beat, beat the Saints and beat them fairly handily. And we all know that's how good, good that Saints team was last year. So there definitely is some tampered expectations, but I definitely think, you know, a lot of people, you know, as far as like building up the hype and talking about Derek Carr playing, getting more familiar with his weapons and, you know, the changes on the defensive side of things. And we saw a lot of more positives on the Raiders for defensively than we have in the last few years. So definitely the optimism is high, but yeah, I think it's definitely tampered a little bit just with how the last few years have gone and, you know, later Raider fans still have PTSD from all the last 20 years. So. Um, Wes Hickok puts two dollars in the tip jar. He says, "Welcome, Matt. Thank you for your time. So, uh, thank you no for problem. that." So, Wes, um, one of the things that I've kind of noticed from the Raiders after uh, Monday night's game is a lot of players ending up on that injury list. It seems like yes. uh, pretty, pretty like noticeable. Like normally, there's injuries after a game, but the amount of players has been kind of outstanding. Uh, Gerald McCoy is one. I believe he's done for the year. Unique Ngakwe yep. is believed to play against the Steelers this weekend. Uh, starting guard, I'm blanking on the name. Sounds like an ACL. Denzel good. Denzel um, good, yeah. What's going on with that? Uh, how is this team uh, going to survive these injuries? Well, I mean, they released the injury report, and it was like I don't even think it fit on one screenshot, right? It was so long at, at the on saw it on Twitter. But I mean, yeah, the Raiders are banged up, and they're banged up with a lot of veteran players. You talk about Denzel Good. That's a huge loss for the Raiders. He was a guy that was, you know going to be a starter for them all year at guard was one of the guys that they were kind of counting on to rely on to replace, you know, the, the few guys that they let go, especially in Gabe Jackson. And he was their backup offensive tackle. So if, uh, you know, Alex Leatherwood or Colton Miller go down, the Raiders are kind of in some hot water and whatnot. And obviously, you know, now they're going to start, end up starting with uh, an offensive line where it looks like with Richie Incognito out too against the Steelers with where Colton Miller is the most senior guy and he's in year four. So it's, they're super young up front. I mean, that's, I think, where the biggest injuries are going to happen. You know, with Yannick Ngakwe, he did practice today. He was limited today. I'm not 100% sure what's going on with there. I don't think we've gotten a whole lot of info at this time. Um, I'm not, again, I hope he can play. But if he doesn't, he's definitely an impact. He's definitely a blow. Like I said, he had a really good game against the Ravens. But he also only played in the first half. He got injured pretty early on, I believe, in the second half. And Carl Nassib stepped in and had a really good game, too. He ended up getting that strip sack on Lamar Jackson to help win the game. And he was getting pressure. And. You know, I'm, I'm admittedly for whatever fault it might be. I'm a big PFF guy. I work them on the side too. So I, I, uh, I, I, I buy into their grade system. I know Steelers fans is not the biggest thing with the old Bud Dupree dilemma, but, uh, you know, he graded out really well for them. So, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that I think, uh, can kind of fill in obviously isn't the same as Yannick, but they're definitely, the Raiders are definitely banged up. Even Josh Jacobs today too. He was on the injury report and, um, you know, they're already down Jalen Richard, who's supposed to be their third back too. So with uh, two, two offensive linemen on the injury report, both looking like they're not, both looking like they're not going to play with Richie and Cognito. Good. It's, it's, it's tough right now for sure. With those injuries and 
dealing with a Steelers fan base that is absolutely just on the edge of their seats waiting to say that the Ravens are trash and are a terrible team. <laughs> how would you how what would you say to Steelers fans to convince them that the Raiders are a legit threat? Uh, because we're seeing a lot of people predicting like just absolute the Steelers just come out and blow out the Raiders here. Tell us why the Raiders are legit and this isn't just, you know, our dream scenario that the Ravens have somehow become a, a one in sixteen team. Well, I mean, I think I think for one, I mean, I, I don't, I know, I know it's the rival, it's a rivalry and whatnot. And like, you want, you know, especially watching them lose uh, week one, you want to think the Ravens are, are falling off the, are falling off the face of the earth. But I really do think the Ravens are a good team. Obviously they've had some injury issues. The biggest one being Marcus Peters as well. But I mean, I think with the Raiders, the thing that you can't discredit is like what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, the pass rush that just hasn't been there over the last few years. And I think that's really going to boost their defense. And when I look at the Steelers and when I was talking with uh, Jeff Hartman yesterday, you know, he was even kind of saying it too. You know, the Steelers, they're very young or be, be either very young or very banged up also at tackle also, which is kind of a similar situation to what the, the Ravens were in, right? Andre, Alejandro Villanueva, you guys know well, was moving to the other side and obviously had his tough times when um, playing right tackle against Max Crosby, who basically beat him every single time they went up against each other. And then uh, even Ronnie Stanley was having trouble with Yannick Ngakwe. So I think with that, I think that's the biggest thing is if the Raiders can get after the quarterback, if the Raiders can get after Big Ben and, you know, who's obviously not the most mobile anymore, but obviously tough to bring down in his own right. And if they can get pressure with four, which is what Gus Bradley wants to do and kind of sit back in coverage, I think that'll be able to be able to help their young secondary out and uh, be able to match with match the Steelers offensive weapons. But that's I mean, this is definitely a big matchup for me to, or a big uh, matchup concern for me, too, because. Like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, the Raiders have a young uh, offensive line, and they're going to have to block the likes of like guys like Cam Hayward and Tyson Malawalu, which is not exactly an ideal matchup for the Silver and Black. Uh, Tate Boys puts a dollar ninety nine into the tip jar. He asked if uh, Kenyon Drake will be involved more. Of course, uh, Josh Jacobs is uh, battling a, a little bit of injury. I believe his turf toe or foot related. Uh, also battling some sickness, and then follow up there was also is this a Pro Bowl year uh, for Jonathan Abrams? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, someone I saw it on. I think it was uh, what is it, NBC Sports Edge. They listed Josh Jacobs as uh, injured with everything. He's got like a shoulder injury too, so he's he's banged up. And I think uh, someone else tweeted it. I can't remember exactly what the splits were, uh, but basically, J- J- Kenyon Drake just got as many, pretty much just as many snaps as uh, Jacobs did on Monday night. So I definitely think you're going to see a lot more Kenyon Drake. I think what the Raiders are going to try and do. Um, again, because they're so young up front and so inexperienced and in the interior of the offensive line, I think you're going to see the Raiders try and get a guy like Kenyon Drake out of the backfield on some like flare routes and whatnot and try and turn it into like a, a three on three, four on four situation, kind of that basketball on gra- grass to try and, you know, move the ball that way and use the, use the screen game, the right wide receiver or the running backs in the passing game as an extension of the running game. Um, and then as far as Jonathan Abram making the Pro Bowl, I'll be honest, I've never been a great Jonathan Abram fan. Uh, I always like to tell the story when I was doing my draft uh, prep and whatnot, because I'm a big draft nut. I put on my my note sheet, I don't know if I would draft this guy at all, let alone in the first round. And what do you know, the Raiders take him in the first round. Uh, so I just let you know, not to you know how uh, I'm connect, how connected I am to the organization. But um, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Abram played a really well last night, or played pretty well on Monday night, I thought. There were a few moments in the first half where he had the typical mental lapses that have kind of cost him or cost him last year, but he ended up playing a pretty clean game the rest of the way out, had a big pass breakup on Mark Andrews. So I think he's trending in the right direction. 
pro bowler. I got to pump the brakes on that one a little bit. He was one of the, one of the worst safeties in the league last year, but uh, I mean, he's definitely trending up. They talked a lot about how they kind of wanted to, to tone him down a little bit. Anybody who watched your hard knocks knows he's kind of like that big personality likes to talk, likes to kind of mix it up. And I think that was part of what hit one of his problems. He was just over aggressive. And, you know, the rumors are the reports are from camp that he's at a much more mellow tone and whatnot. And it showed at least on Monday that he was, you know, a little bit more under control and still playing with that same, with that fire as much, but, you know, turned down a little bit, turned down a notch so that he can still be able to execute his assignments. So. A little bit earlier, you mentioned Alejandro Villanueva, and I know Steelers fans will uh, pretty quickly uh, tell you that he has been awful for probably about a couple of years now. And then flipping over gotcha. to his offside, uh, he was absolutely embarrassed by Max Crosby, of course. Yes. He went on to be named the uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Can you tell us a little bit more about Crosby? Uh, is he a guy that we always should have thought of as a kind of premier pass rusher? Or is he kind of just bursting onto the scene right now? Yeah, I mean, Max Crosby was a guy, you know, going back to that same draft class with Jonathan Abram, he was a guy that when the Raiders drafted him, I was excited about him. I saw a guy out of Eastern Michigan who was at a small school, obviously, but was an athletic dude, an athletic freak, had a great get off. And that's, I think, what we really saw last night or Monday night was him just beating beating Alejandro Villanueva off the ball and then being able to turn speed into power, which is something that he hasn't, you know, necessarily shown as much as a counter move. And that's where he kind of took that next step and where I think everyone started to take notice. But I mean, his rookie year, he had, uh, he had, I think, I think he had double digit sack. He actually out, out sacked Nick Bosa, but Nick Bosa had like double the amount of pressures and whatnot. So Nick Bosa definitely still deserved that rookie of the year. For me, Crosby was one of the finalists. He was one of the finalists three for defensive rookie of the year as a rookie. Last year, he had kind of like, I wouldn't say necessarily a setback, but it was just kind of like a not as impressive year. I think he still had decent sack numbers, but he didn't really grow quite as much as you would have liked. And then, I mean, Monday night, like, I mean, I, I knew he was going to get better. I, you know, had faith in the guy. I knew he was probably going to be one of the Raiders' best defensive linemen, but I didn't even see that coming. And I've been a fan of his since the Raiders drafted him, and that was that was just impressive. And, I mean, they talked about it on the broadcast. He's got an awesome story about, you know, his sobriety and battling with that, battling some personal demons. And, you know, also on the broadcast, they talked about him, you know, putting the work in on, in the film room and doing that stuff and taking more of a leadership role. He was named captain for the first time in his career. So I think, you know, he's just kind of an awesome story that I think will be kind of a guy similar to what you're seeing with Darren Waller from the Raiders that comes to that, that face of the franchise, right, kind of guy that um, ends up being a bigger name. And I think he'll have a really big year. I think he's in line. If we're talking about, you know, potential first-time pro bowlers, I think that's the guy that you're you're looking at from the Raiders. If Yannick Ngakwe can't go against the Steelers or is, like, seriously limited in what he's <laughs> able to do, uh, is there enough other – players on the Raiders to provide pressure to keep, you know, the Steelers from focusing on Crosby or is Crosby the kind of guy who can just, he doesn't need that help. He can flat out dominate and change the game by himself. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not going to say he can flat out dominate and change the game by himself just because, I mean, he, I mean, I, I do feel like, like I said, Yannick didn't really play in the second half and Crosby still did fine. It was like, you didn't even notice that Yannick wasn't there, but then again, that's, I'm not going to put too much weight into one game against a, like you said, against a guy that's not been as, as, as best the last few years and was playing a different position. So I definitely think they're going to need somebody else to step up. I think, like I was talking about before, I think Nassib can. But then again, I also remember the last year where he really struggled to get pressure. And it's, you know, again, Ronnie Stanley didn't look like himself. So I can't, I don't know if I can really trust it. After that, um, Cleveland Farrell, I, he was a guy that I honestly thought was going to play a huge role in the Ravens game. And he ended up being a scratch. Um, Gruden said something about him injuring his back. So I don't know if that's 
and I believe he was on the injury report today. So I don't know if that's still going to get in the way of him being able to play. He's never really been that great of a pass rusher. I think he can be a, a decent complimentary pass rusher to Max Crosby because he can kind of win with some power. Uh, but he'll never kind of be that guy that can really – that I, I would feel confident saying like, oh, yeah, he can definitely take pressure off Crosby. Um, I think their best option is going to be to see, and, you know, he can be up or down. And then the last guy on the roster or the last edge rusher on the roster would be Malcolm Coons, who was just a was a, was a third-round pick for the – there's a third-round rookie this year, and I don't think he even played, but has moments in the preseason, but he's from Buffalo, so still kind of playing in the max, still kind of getting adjusted to that NFL speed, and I don't think he's quite ready yet. Um, so this is a, another super chat from Connor Eddie who puts a dollar ninety nine in the tip jar. I think this is a more Steelers related question, so I'll pose this to you, Jeffrey. Uh, how long can the defense continue to carry uh, the Steelers offense? Well, they did it one full game. Uh, I <laughs> during the game against Buffalo, I said defense is playing great. It's not going to hold up. Like the offense is going to have to deliver. Buffalo's offense is too good. Uh, Steelers showed me wrong on that. I think they can hold up. It depends on matchups, man. Like, and I think there is a chance they can do it, uh, but you've got to be playing at a really high level. And once teams get an idea, once teams figure out, you know, how we're moving around Minka in the slot, that really threw Josh Allen off because uh, no one's seen that. Like, that, like that we haven't done that since Game Three of 2019 when he was our, his first game here. Uh, so I don't. I think once teams start to figure out the, the little tricks we pulled to kind of throw Josh Allen off his game. It's gonna it's gonna have less impact, so I I really don't think the offense the defense can carry the offense that long. The offense has to get together. They have to figure out what they're doing and, and score some points. Okay, uh, Matt, talk, we talked about the Raiders' star pass rusher. Now to flip things over, talk about T.J. Watt. Who is going to be the guy that's his uh, challenge with slowing him down? And is this a game where uh, T.J. could go off or? Uh, is, are the right pieces in place to uh, slow down the what $112 million man? I, I think TJ Watt has a very good chance of looking like a $112 man on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, t- the Raiders have, like I said, uh, Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. Alex Leatherwood, his problem coming out of Bama, and the reason why a lot of people thought he might be a better guard was because he's not good in pass protection. On Monday night, we saw that. He gave up two sacks. There was one point, there was one that I just, it just killed me being a, a guy that loves the the pass rest of the trenches war where he had his first two steps. He was perfect, perfect. And then for some godforsaken reason, he just drops his feet or he stops his feet and then tries to lunge at Justin Houston, which is the last guy on that field that you want to do that against. And then gives up a terrible sack on third down. I am definitely scared of what TJ Watt can do to, uh, to Alex Leatherwood just because of, you know, that's TJ Watt's strength. He's one of the best in the NFL about doing that. There's a reason why the Steelers made him the highest paid defender in the NFL. And, you know, he's gonna, he has a great opportunity to feast on a young rookie. I think you're going to see a lot of chip blocks. You're going to think you're going to see a lot of max protection. I think you're going to see a lot of quick game for the Raiders. I think they're going to try and dink and dunk their way down the field. And for a lot of that reason, and a lot of the reasons I was talking about at the beginning, um, the interior rush has a chance too. But, yeah, I mean, I think I would expect the Raiders to kind of use a lot of play action, probably move the pocket, roll left, you know, kind of go away from T.J. Watt. When they played Khalil Mack a few years ago, that's kind of was what they're doing is basically saying, you know, you guys might beat us, but we're not going to let Khalil Mack beat us. We're going to put two guys on him basically every play, sometimes three. You know, sometimes he's going to get a chip and the backs going to come help, and I think that's going to be a big part of Gruden's game plan. So if you guys want um, – if you guys, any of uh, film buffs out there want to go back and uh, 
you can get your hands on it, go try and watch the uh, the Raiders um, Bears game in London from what was it 2019 where they played Khalil Mack. I think you'll see a, a similar game plan. Obviously, two guys with different skill sets, but can you know create the same amount of havoc in, in the back in the offense's backfield. So I think it'll be a similar uh, game plan for the Raiders. All right, we covered T.J. Watt's side. Um, obviously, the Raiders are a little familiar uh, with Melvin Ingram. Right. You ran into him a few times. Uh, I don't know if you got the chance to watch him. He looked really good against Buffalo. Uh, who do the Raiders have on the other side? And if they're focusing on T.J. Watt, is, is Melvin Ingram going to be set up to be a real problem in this game? Yeah, so that's actually one of the matchups I'm really excited about to watch this week. Uh, is, and that's going to be Colton Miller versus, you know, uh, Melvin Ingram or Alex Highsmith, whoever's out, whoever's out there. And, I mean, Colton Miller was the long bright spot in uh, the Raiders' offensive line, and he's been a guy that's been on the rise for the last few years. His rookie year was really rough. His rookie year, he was one of the worst tackles, gave up the most sacks, and he has grown tremendously. He did really well on Monday, on, uh, Monday night. Again, like, was of the four Raiders' offensive linemen, he was the one guy that, you know, actually held their own. So, I think Melvin Ingram and him, because of what I was saying about how much help they're going to need to stop T.J. Watt on the right side, I think Melvin Ingram and Colton Miller are going to have a lot of one-on-ones, and I think the Raiders are going to basically have to tell Colton Miller, like, look, we need you to win this. We need you to be the guy, and we need you to hold up against these two pass rushers, Highsmith or Ingram, uh, because we can't give you any help. we got to give all our help to the other side. So, yeah, that's going to be – that might be one of the key matchups in the game. And um, So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. I think – I, I mean, I'll, I'll be a homer and I'll say, I'll say uh, Colton Miller can hold his own, but uh, you know, obviously they, there are two guys that have played off against squared off against each other in the past, having uh, played them, played the chargers in the division twice a year, or every year of uh, Colton Miller's career. So it'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see that because I think it'll be a big barometer to see how much Colton Miller has really grown, especially since, you know, he has a history going up against that guy. Um, so kicking things out just outside the tackle box and looking at Darren Waller, the superstar tight end of the Las Vegas Raiders, um, mm-hmm. is it possible to slow this guy down? He is on well, like an eight-game tear, which is absolutely ridiculous. Basically 100 yards each and every one of the last eight games aside for one game, multiple touchdowns, basically in all of them as well. He has been one of the best players in the NFL over the stretch. Is it possible to slow this guy down? Is this one where it's just like, okay, we, we got to just uh, – attempt to contain him or is this someone that he's just going to feast no matter what i mean he the best way to do it is to kind of bracket coverage that's what i think they were pointing out on the broadcast what they were doing with the ravens and when they started you know shifting the focus to hunter renfro a little bit more in the passing game is you know when waller kind of had that safety overhanging on the top of him and kind of zone him up a little bit so that he doesn't have the same guy on him right so he can't just get in the mode of, all right, I'm going to beat this guy. I'm bigger than this guy, so I'll just beat him with my body, right? I'll use my 6'7 frame, my 6'7, 260 frame. Um, or if I'm going up against the linebacker, I'll use my 4'5 speed to go beat this guy. You know, that's the, that's why he's such a matchup problem. And he can run routes like a next receiver. So that's really makes him, you know, almost a cheat code, the Raiders version of a cheat code. Plus the Raiders are going to target the hell out of him. Like I said, he had 19 last game. Nobody else had 10. So that – kind of in a, in a sense, you know, what you're talking about with the stats and whatnot, I think that gets inflated a little bit with how, just how weak the Raiders receiving core was, especially last year and kind of is this year. He's going to get the lion's share of those catches and whatnot to make him look look probably a little bit more unguardable than he really is. But then again, he's also making catches in, in double coverage too, and he can beat you that way too. But yeah, the biggest thing is you can't leave it up to one guy um, and unless that guy is an absolute superstar. But I mean, I haven't seen anybody do it yet. You got to kind of hang that safety over the top, which obviously is going to open up somebody else. And it's just a matter of if the Raiders can 
can have a receiver step up and beat some one-on-one coverage because that's the biggest thing is you can't leave that guy on, alone on our island. To support Waller, uh, do you, would you in this game rather have see the Raiders establish a good run game or, like you said, the other receivers have been struggling, see one, of, one or two of them really step up and take some of the pressure off of Darren Waller? I think definitely the the receivers. I think, you know, I've been kind of clamoring all offseason and even was kind of getting frustrated uh, on Monday night. You know, Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, they ended up stepping up and playing key roles in the comeback win, but neither one of them had a catch till five minutes left in the game. That's not a formula the Raiders can win with consistently, right? You got to get somebody else the ball. Like I said, you can't feed Darren Waller 20 targets a game and expect, you know, good things to happen every single time. And so I think that's the thing for me, especially this early on in the season, you know, we kind of know what Josh Jacobs is. We know he's a good running back, plus he's banged up. So I'd almost rather see them, you know, try, like I said, try and attack the perimeters and maybe use Kenyon Drake a little bit more and try and get guys in space rather than, you know, trying to use four young offensive linemen to push around a really good defensive line in the running game. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, the biggest thing would be is if I could see so one of those guys, one of those receivers, preferably Henry Ruggs or, or uh, Brian Edwards, kind of step up and emerge as, you know, the – the number one receiver, Darren Waller is the number one receiver, but the best wide receiver, the kind of the number two option in the passing game, that'd be huge. And I mean, a guy like a Hunter Renfro has been able to step up and you know, has had his moments and is able to take some of the pressure, but he's just still kind of proven to be, if he, if you have a physical defender or a physical corner that can come up and jam him on the line of scrimmage, he'll do well with that. That's what the Ravens did uh, with Marlon Humphrey when Renfro started to um, – when I started getting his yards, they put Marlon Humphrey on him, and then he couldn't kind of just went quiet. But that opened things up for Waller and whatnot. So that's kind of the thing that I'm definitely looking forward to early on in the season is seeing who's going to step up as that that first and best receiver out of the actual wide receivers. Um, so breaking this game down specifically, what will the Raiders have to do on Sunday to have won this game? What exactly are the are the two three things you think they have to check off to win this game? I mean, I think the biggest thing is they have to keep Derek Carr clean. They have to keep him healthy, whether that's, you know, whether that's the offensive line just suddenly having a miraculous recovery and, you know, doing a 180 um, from what we saw on Monday because Carr got sacked, I believe, three times and was under pressure quite a bit. Or, you know, them being able to, to just dink and dunk their way down the field. I think that's the biggest thing. Again, like I don't trust – I just don't trust them to be able to run the ball on the Steelers front seven especially being so down. So I think that's the biggest thing. And then defensively, it's just going to be like I was talking about the pass rush. The pass rush is going to be key all year. You know, they're very young in the secondary outside of Casey Hayward. You know, you got Trayvon Mullen, who's a third year corner. And then you have uh, Jonathan Abram, who, like I said, missed his rookie season. And then it's also in his third year, but obviously, you know, missed one year and really playing on his second. And then Trevon Merrick and then uh, Nate Hobbs in the slot, which are two rookies. So I think that's the biggest thing is if they can get to the big Ben, if they can get some pass rush with four and they can, uh, and then they can move the ball through the air and, you know, make the, make the Steelers play basketball on grass. I think that's how the Raiders are going to win this game. Where, where would you rate Derek Carr? among NFL quarterbacks. Cause I know one of the big things is he has, he is phenomenal with the, the game winning drives. I believe he's like mm-hmm. for, for people in their eighth season yeah. or, or before he's like tied for third for the most yeah. behind, like, I think it's like Matt Stafford and uh, uh, 
Ryan, Matt Ryan. Matt but Ryan. Uh, where would you rank him? How important is that? And, and where overall do you do you think he lands in the NFL hierarchy? You just you just asked like the landmine question in, in, on Raiders Twitter, right? Like whatever answer, you're just trying to get me in trouble here, Jeff. You're you're killing me over here. But no, I I think he's a. Uh, I think he's, you know, I feel like the conversation with him is he's probably near the top 12, maybe 11 to like 14 range kind of in there, you know, factoring in age and, you know, development imprint and uh, whatnot and potential with guys. Cause I mean, he's in year eight, right? Like he's not going to get, he's not going to get much better. He kind of is who he is at this point. Like I'm not going to expect him to make a lot of jumps. And I mean, like you said about the, the fourth quarter comebacks, well, the problem is, and I felt like Monday night was kind of a perfect example of kind of who Tarek Carr is as a, as a quarterback. You know, start the game, like, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but he just looked, like, jittery, and he was missing his throws. He was throwing behind guys, and he was throwing off target. And then, you know, he kind of went on a streak in the middle of the game where it was like, all right, he's got back in a rhythm, and he's, like, getting the completions. I think they announced that they're, like, he's completed, like, seven passes in a row or whatever. And then he goes later, and it's like, okay, Derek Carr is now throwing incompletions on five out of seven. It's like, it's just this tidal wave of, like, up and down performances, and that's, I think, makes him hard to evaluate. And that's kind of where I go. And he's in the he's in the above average to good category. I can't put him in the very good to great category or the elite category just yet. But I think he's good. I think he's a guy that you can. I think he's a guy that you can do better than, but you can do a hell of a lot worse than. And I think that's why the Raiders have kept on to him. You know, they've always in the last few years they've been picking in the middle of the rounds where you're not going to be able to draft a great quarterback. You know, they rumored to be in the the Brady conversation, but he wanted to stay on the East Coast. I do. I honestly do think if Tom Brady wanted to be a Raider, he would have been a Raider. But uh, obviously that didn't work out. So they've kind of been in this situation where they're like, yeah, we like this guy. He can do what he wants. Um, you know, he can do a lot, a lot of what we ask him, but we can also do better. And we're always going to look to upgrade it. And that's kind of what they, the mantra they've said over the year. You know, we're really happy with Derek Carr, but we're looking to upgrade every single position. And that's kind of the same philosophy I have. I mean, again, I think he can be good enough to, to lead this team to the playoffs. Um, you know, when the situation is really good around him, he's been really good. That's what we saw in 2016. when He was an MVP candidate. He had one of the best offensive lines and the Mari Cooper and Michael Crabtree going for a thousand yards on the outside. So I, I like him. I think he can be a good quarterback, but it's definitely, you know, a situation where if they had an opportunity to trade up in the draft or they had an opportunity to maybe get an Aaron Rodgers in the off season, if he, if he still wants to play and, uh, you know, wants to leave Green Bay, I definitely explore it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think Derek Carr gets a lot of hate too. That's not, um, not exactly deserved on his part. I think he's, he's a, a better quarterback than a lot of people realize. Before we uh, get you out of here, I, I got a couple more quick questions for you. First and foremost, do you think there's going to be any more uh, kind of uh, kind of added pressure to this team to try to get that revenge win for Mike Mayock after that Antonio Brown trade? I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like that's a good question. I mean, I, I don't think Mike Mayock's beef is with the Steelers, right? I mean, the beef is with AB himself. Like, I mean, AB, AB is the one who tried to take a swing on him and call him a, a racial slur. So uh, I, I don't know if there's any, if there is that much of that trade. I think the one that Gruden wants to get back is the Martavis Bryant trade. What was that? That was also a third rounder. And didn't was, I can't remember did the third rounder that you got from Martavis. Was that the one you guys took Deontay Johnson with, or was it the one from AB? Uh, AB was Deontay Johnson. AB yeah. was Deontay uh, Johnson. But yeah, I mean, either way, like the Raiders gave the, the Raiders gave the Steelers, um, uh, a third round pick to, in back to back years for a receiver that never scored a touchdown for him. Ma- I mean, Mason, Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. No, that oh, okay. was that was the Martavis okay. Bryant pick. Then we 
that, then we made up for it. Then we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're good on that one. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's any ill will towards the Steelers, but yeah, I, I think, I think when they played the Bucks, I definitely think, uh, and AB was on the Bucks. I definitely think Mayock probably wanted to win that game. But unfortunately, didn't go to the Raiders way. So, uh, Jeffrey, did you have anything else uh, you wanted to ask? No, I'm, I'm good, man. All right, final question for you, Matt. Who is going to win on Sunday, and what's the final score? Oh Throw man, Jeff. I, Jeff asked me the same question uh, in the the five questions stuff. So I, I got to be a homer, riding off the high win. I'm gonna say the Raiders. I think it'll be an old fashioned Raiders Steelers game, nice slugfest, uh, low scoring. I think both defenses show up, so I think it'll be 20 to 16 Raiders. But I, I'm I got to be the villain on here, right? <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe there'll be some crazy play as uh, as time expires uh, during regulation. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. Am I right? Stranger things. Yeah, <laughs> I like weird scores. I'm a scoregami guy, so I want to see a weird score. That's oh, always love scoregami. Um, Matt, thank you so much for your time. I, no, thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. No, it's our pleasure. So um, everyone that is watching on YouTube and Facebook, just hang tight. We will flip over to the second half of our show in just a moment. If you're listening on the podcast platform side, you'll have to physically click over to the second half of the show. We'll get more into the Steelers perspective when we get there. So Matt, you're free to go. Thank you so much uh, once again. Thank you guys. Appreciate you having me on.